now Dominic for having listened to Welcome to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. This is episode 94. We are back, but it is just me today, uh, Neil and Grant. Uh, as you know, Grant has come back into the country just in time, uh, but Neil is also away for this show. It's really just going to be an interview-style show today, uh, so I've been in contact with a few people just to get a few updates for you guys. So we've got Paul Cousins coming on today, who's the Essendon VFL president, just to talk about the decision of uh I guess cancelling the VFL competition, which has come as a a bit of a, a bit of a surprise in light of the AFL not going that way. So we obviously have an interesting situation where we have a lot of players actually coming back from modified groups injured who are just suddenly fit, like Stuart and Bell Chambers and these guys who actually now are really stuck for getting match fitness to be right to get into the seniors. So it has a huge huge effect on um. Uh, probably, I mean, really every every club in the AFL. So just wanted to have a chat to Paul today, so that's good. Look, we've also got Johnny Elliott in today. Now, Johnny Elliott is one of those guys you would you would know if you saw him on the TV. Uh, he's uh, He's been uh, one of the head trainers at Essendon probably over a 17-year span, uh, all in different kind of little eras. So he's been in the shitty era as a trainer, He's been under Hurdy, under Bomber Thompson, and then even under Woosher for a year or so. So it would be a really good insight just to talk about his journey through the Essendon Football Club and, and what he's seen. And, and obviously he's gone through four coaches and how they operate and his experiences. So that will be really, really intriguing. Really, really looking forward to that interview. So look, I'm not going to rant on too much because it's just me. Obviously, this is Tuesday around about 7 p.m., right, so on March 17th. So as we know it, uh, the landscape is that round one hasn't been officially cancelled yet at the AFL. Uh, You just sense it's going to be, but who knows, maybe not. But this podcast might come out on Wednesday night, so anything that's said on the show, please excuse because uh, the climate these days, sadly, is 24 hours is a long time. Uh, in the news cycle so there could be obvious decisions being reversed to what we're talking about so I please pardon that I am trying to get a third little sneaky guest Uh, I won't say who it is but I'm just working on that at last minute Uh, so if that adds to the show then that's a massive bonus and I'll let you know as the show goes on uh, that may be a, a tomorrow interview so to wrap up the show but I'm just seeing how that goes so we've got the team getting announced probably Wednesday night and obviously the AFL will probably announce officially whether it's going ahead. So it all is going to happen uh, tomorrow. So it sounds like to me that McKenna and Stringer are going to play this game uh, and Bell Chambers may get the rest. Um, well, just the well, it is a rest, isn't it? Because there's no VFL. So I think that's if think I think that if that happens, it's a it's a pretty good call because you've got an actual ruckman in now who's in form, played most of the games in the in the preseason and ready to go, and has probably a, a fair enough output that's close to equal to Bell Chambers anyway. So, uh, how they actually operate the the guys who don't have VFL or match practice, they are I'm assuming that the club is having some sort of internal kind of mechanism where. There's some fierce sort of practice match games so guys can 
I mean, you're never going to get fully up to speed. You can't replicate actual game day or position, but hopefully you can get it to 67% to to give them something to get it, to get going that might be able to bring them into the team. Because, I mean, really a guy like Stuart, I mean, just hanging around and now fit, he, he must be a big temptation because a tall marking forward uh, who can run well, uh, has not a bad kick on him, uh, would be pretty vital right now. So, yeah, really interesting uh, situation. And the good news is also that Hooksy was only one or two weeks away now. He's progressing really well. So, uh, as, as far as a health check, it feels like the club is a, is in a not-too-bad spot. So, that's kind of a little, little probably my little introduction. I, it is a little bit weird talking to myself. Uh, but look, I want to get a few guys on the line, so we're going to start off with Paul Cousins, and we'll talk to you after the break. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. On the line, I have uh, actually a good friend, Paul Cousins, the Essendon VFL president. How are you, Paul? I'm good, thank you, Scott. I'm uh, I'm a bit uh, up in the air with everything as everyone else is at the moment, but uh, no, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it is a kind of amusing. I mean, obviously, I got you on to have a bit of an update on, uh, obviously, the decision around the VFL. And uh, my nervous part for you is that something could change literally at 8 p.m. and it's and it's quarter to seven now. So uh, so yes, I, I fully understand that anything you say now <laughs> could be a completely different world in actually two hours' time. So it is. What I it mean, is. Uh, that's the way it's been going, isn't it? Like we uh, we have answers one hour and the next hour they're completely different. So hopefully uh, by the time everyone listens to this, it's still. Uh, Hold some kind of uh, some kind of weight. Well, what we can do too is just uh, towards the end we can just talk about a few players as well, so that adds a bit more uh, content. If if the first half is obsolete by government decisions or AFL decisions to, tomorrow, so uh, look, I guess my inf- I'm just wondering the information that's being brought across to you so far. What were kind of the main reasonings around the suspension of, of the VFL? Uh, look, initially, I think it started with a couple of AFL clubs who um, decided to suspend their VFL programs. Um, we weren't one of them initially, uh, but you know, eventually, um, that, that has a bit of a snowball effect. But the reasoning um, behind it is basically that uh, with guys on the AFL list. Uh, at all clubs, they can essentially um, wrap them in a bit of a cocoon out at the club and uh, limit, uh, you know, who comes in and out of the club and um, so who those guys and uh, have contact with. Um, whereas the, the VFL guys, the vast majority of our VFL guys, for example, either work full-time or some part-time or um, study full or part-time. So... Um, they're, they're having contact with um, theoretically a, a much wider range of people um, yeah. and, and people who, you know, obviously the club don't know 
uh, where they've been, who they've been in contact with, and so on. And you know, as as we've all sort of learnt, I think over the last few days that. Uh, our, our contact circles go out a very long way once you have contact with one person and they've had contact with a couple of hundred people in the last few days and you know and on and on it goes so yeah. um so I, the the exposure level um to vfl players uh who who are out in the community a lot more than afl players was was a lot higher so um with that comes a higher risk uh, of contamination um so, so that's I think that's the primary reasoning um, for most clubs and for the league in the end that uh, they just weren't really able to control the semi-professional guys uh, as opposed to the professional environments where they can really lock them off from from uh, contact with the wider public. So, is it fair to say that basically just a blanket ban that the VFL players can't hang around the hangar? Is that, is that would that be fair to say? Yeah, completely. Yeah. Uh, myself included, and, and any um, any sort of uh, staff who are either you know part time with the VFL or um, not based in at the hangar full time. The, the clubs basically over the last few days shut down for for all of us. We'll all stay away and do the right thing, and um, you know keep keep the uh, the I suppose the bubble, if you like, around the uh, around the players uh, yeah. as intact as we can. Um, certainly people uh, who work at the club will be limiting their contact with the outside world as well and uh, you really try and sort of minimise the risk as best you can. Um, uh, the tricky thing is that once one person within the club is, uh, you know, test positive or, uh, or whatever to this, then everyone in the club has been exposed to those people and, and the areas they've been in. So, yeah, um, yeah the, the club sent out, Xavier uh, Campbell sent out, Earlier in the week, a memorandum to everyone involved um, on the inside of the club with with sort of new rules of engagement, if you like, um, sort of limiting, you know, essentially the the bottom two floors of the hangar have been completely shut off for the the players and the footy department, and even staff who work up on the third floor can't go down, and um, you know they're, they're all using separate entrances and exits and separate lifts and the whole bit. So it's uh, the, the club's sort of being really thorough and very professional in the way they're handling it, and uh, you know you hope that, uh, that that's enough, and and um, we we don't have an, an incident out there. But uh, you know these these germs have a way of getting through, don't they? So you just kind of yeah, I think the the club have put in the best planning in place that they that they can, and from there you sort of hope for the best a little bit. Do they have any sort of permission, VFL guys, and I'm thinking like a, an Aaron Happel, to see, to be in contact with any senior players socially, if it's, say, your brother or if it's any like a good friend, is, or is it just, is it, is it a bit harsh? Uh, no, I, look, I think uh, players will still be able to, um, you know, see family and close to see friends family, and stuff, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, without knowing, I'm not a player, so I haven't been given that directive, but... Um, I would think that they'll still be able to have contact with family and close friends and things, but obviously in a um, you know in a way that that minimises the risk of uh, of any sort of cross contamination. So I guess they'll uh, they'll adhere to the same sort of um, social distancing protocols that that everyone else is is sort of starting to move towards. Yep. Would there be any programs now that's actually 
uh, put forward to the VFL guys, knowing it's sort of a May 31st initial time frame, you would say, uh, whereas in how to keep up a fitness base or, or any sort of like level of here's things you can do in the meantime um, to get yourself, keep yourself fit, keep yourself, keep your mental side fit on footy. Is, is there any sort of directive that you've seen that uh, about what their program might be? Yeah, there is. We have, um, uh, I guess, an app for want of a better uh, term that uh, that all the players and and um, you know sort of inside staff are, are members of, where um, someone, whether it be the, the head of fitness or, or uh, the head of operations or whatever, will send out a message um, that all the players in that receive, um, and, and included in that is. You know, the, the, the guy who looks after all the fitness for the VFL, um, he's been sending out sort of um, some guidelines on the best way for players to look after themselves in this situation. And, um, you know, to I think that without sort of getting too far into the, the advice, players have sort of been recommended to to train on their own and, and yeah. given um, programs to do that and... Um, you know, not to sort of train with too many people, not to go back to your local club and train, that sort of thing. So, um, and and certainly they get some guidance on, on specifics um, for their programs. And um, But it's, you know, I like to say at this time, we, we don't know what we don't know. And the, the start date has been set for May 31. And to be honest, you know, we'll, That's a hopeful, we'll believe yeah. that. Yeah, we'll believe it when we see it to a degree. Just because, um, who knows what happens between now and then? For all we know, there could be you know fifty players with um, coronavirus at that point, or there might be none, or you know who knows. So, um, and then how? Yeah, it must be hard to even say how does that merge with the AFL um, draw if that's ongoing. Like, how do you? Because then you're obviously mixing. AFL listed plays in the VFL, and how do you combine that with with yep. when do they play? Uh, so it, the logistics of it must be so hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I think basically, um, I think the basic plan at this point, um, if the sort of end of May, start of June um, guideline ended up proving accurate, I think basically the season would start from about round ten of the VFL. Yeah, uh, and I think I think the likelihood at this stage is they'd probably pick the draw up there, or somewhere there. Um, now, whether that sort of ties into what the AFL are doing at that point, who knows? The AFL are, uh, at the moment, uh, and again, this is what time? Seven o'clock on <laughs> yeah, well, Tuesday they're talking about night. Wednesday games and Thursday. Yeah, yeah, at this stage, the AFL is saying I think you know the likelihood is they'll play the first four rounds and then revisit the draw and, um, you know, probably speed things up if they're still going at that point. So uh, what the how the VFL would tie into that, I, I suspect we'll know a lot better if and when that time arises. But uh, it, it's certainly tying the programs together is the reason that the VFL's been put to bed, basically, just um, because it, the, the risk of, as we talked about, of AFL players coming down and playing with... Um, VFL guys who'd been out in the community working that day and whatever else is pretty high. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, planning and logistics to go into all that, which, I mean, the, the May 31 um, sort of guideline, I think, just 
gives them some breathing room to, to figure out where all this is going to be at in eight or ten weeks um, and uh, and sort of take it from there. Certainly, you know, for those of us involved with the VFL, um, you know, we're, we're desperate to get a season. That I'm, I'm absolutely gutted for our guys who have, uh, you know, pardon the French, but busted their asses for the last several months in, in pre-season and, you know, these the sacrifice that, that VFL guys put in to work full-time jobs and um, and then and girls as well, of course, but work full-time jobs and um, go and train three nights a week. And, you know, the training is not easy, that's for sure. It's, it's no. elite level um, training. And, you know, these guys are coming off eight and 10 and 12-hour days to, to do that. And then they're at the club until 10 at night doing weights and whatever mm. else. And, um, you know, it's it's... Playing um, VFL, talking to guys who've been on AFL West and VFL, they'll most of them will tell you that VFL's a hell of a lot harder than AFL, just because you, it's not your full time job, and you know it's very much a, a sacrifice that, that these guys take on. So to go through three and four months of preseason and get all the way up to the start of the season and then have a camp is, um, you know, really deflating for those guys. And so if we can uh, hopefully get a season started at some point we'll be we'll be desperate to do it must, that yeah it must be tough for some guys who either you know have you know gone to other clubs you know i think we had the, like uh, a few guys come to our come to our vfl side who had that outside chance i felt like maybe i can get eventually get onto an eston list uh yep. so that you got a feel for them because you just they just must feel like well, what happens now like uh I can't even improve myself. I can't in a new system, you know, or maybe in a new position that a coach has been put me, put me in for the first time where I can actually might be able to, you know, chisel myself onto a, a, a side. It, it's the, the mental stuff that must be going through and like the frustration. It must be so big. Yeah, it, it's brutal. It really is. It's, uh, as I said, these, these guys sacrifice massively. It's a huge part of their lives and, you know, a lot of them do have exactly those kind of ambitions. Um, they're, they're uh, for whatever reason, they might not have been drafted at 18 and this is their 19-year-old year. Or, yeah. um, you know, you look at, at guys like Nick Hind and, and uh, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, and these sort of guys, are, Paddy Ambrose, who have come out of our, out of our VFL program over recent years at, at, you know, well beyond the age of 18. Yeah, even uh, in like sort of early to mid twenties. Yeah, exactly. And um, gone on to sort of really successful careers. So um, that that's the a lot of our guys have, you know, that's the reason they're playing. That's what they're in it for. And um, to to as I said, bust their humps for several months, and uh, you know, for that opportunity, and then to have that taken away by something as sort of random as as this. Um, you know, it's yeah. They'll they'll be hurting at the moment, no doubt. And uh, we've got a great team involved with our VFL program. who will be reaching out to to our players and um, you know, hoping hopefully making sure they're in a, a decent headspace, but or as good as they can be. But um, yeah, I, I also feel for the staff as well. You know, there's yeah, exactly the, the staff of the, and volunteers and everyone involved with the program have, have all been sacrificing for months as well to to get to this point to the start of the season and you know there'll be um uh, look without 
Um, I'm not involved with the hierarchy of the club, the, the great wider AFL club and how that runs, but um, I'm sure there'll be, uh, you know, a, a real squeeze on on staff positions and on payroll and uh, all those sort of things as, as the, you know, the, the prospect of sort of losing millions of dollars through having no crowds at games and the like um, starts to take hold. So there'll be nervous staff and, and people who a week ago were couldn't wait for the for the season to start who now are you know probably wondering if they're going to have jobs and uh, how secure they are and and um, you know yeah. going forward if if footy can't get uh, back to it and of course that's that's replicated across the wider community as well but I have a lot of contact with these um, these people men and women at the VFL program at Essendon they're terrific people who really sacrifice for the program there's a reason we've been so successful over the last number of years and, and the, uh, the staff and volunteers are a huge part of that. So yep. it's uh, it's worrying times for everyone, mate, that's for sure. Now, I don't want to depress my audience too much, so I'll, I'll go on to some some brighter things. Now, you're I, <laughs> I've, I speak to you a fair bit and you're a very passionate man of the... Uh, the I'll say the under-22 players. You, you love kids coming through, seeing them develop and seeing them grow. Uh, so, I do, I do. So in that ends, um, you've, you've obviously gone to the preseason games that were in Melbourne, I guess, <laughs> and you yep. obviously follow your, your junior players. Can, can I mention a few names to you? Uh, that, sure. That are names that are sort of commonly mentioned to me, but I thought I would ask you of what you've seen so far. Um, and it might be VFL and, and sort of AFL listed, but I'll go with a Harrison Jones to start off with. What 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 are your thoughts? Yeah, he's uh, he's a bit of the old uh, you know an old commentator in the eighties might have called him an unbroken colt. <laughs> he's got of that uh, long <laughs> long arms and legs and athletic, and uh, he's he's a terrific athlete. He runs fantastically well. He 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 has um, you know in, in young players particularly young sort of tall players you look for uh, specific traits I think rather than an overall game at that age and, and one that I always look for is um, marking the footy at the highest point um, as a sort of natural instinct in a young particularly a key forward and, and he's got that in spades he's those who've seen a couple of the pre-season games will know that um, you know he, he really runs and jumps at the footy and um, you know, marks with his with his hands fully extended and gets a footy at its highest point, which is a really great trait to have in a young forward. Um, so he's yeah, he looks a real talent, and um, I know Adrian moved up in the draft to get him. Uh, he was a he was a Bombers supporter growing up, which people always love, and he's a he's a local Gisborne boy, so I think he's still living at home. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a great story for. For the club, and um, I think he's a real up-and-coming young uh, prospect. I saw him at Casey Field, and he, gee, he took a really nice mark right in front of me. Uh, but he—he yeah. he seems like he, I know he shanked one last week, but he, he seems like a fairly balanced kick too. Like just on his approach, I—I uh, I, I just got the feeling just by a technique. Anyway, it seems like a really nice balanced kicking style that would that should work for for most times. Yeah, no, it is. He's really good from hand to foot. A lot of guys at that height have a big high ball drop, and um, he, he doesn't have that. He gets the, the ball down under his boot really well, and 
uh, he, he kicks the footy really well. He's, he, you know, w- without mobbing him, um, he, and I know he shanked two last week. And the reason I know that is I was with two different people um, when he had the two shots. And to both of them, I said he's a terrific kick and he shanked both of them. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah, I, I, I gave him a deep. Gave him a decent miles last week. I had the same thing when I was tell, telling someone out what a beautiful kicker he was. It's like, mate, I just saw him shake it. I went, all right, all right. <laughs> no, he, I, you know, there'll be some nerves involved there. He's he's uh, just starting out, but he is a good kick of the footy. He's, um, you know, I think he's a pretty confident kid. He's happy to have a shot. And, uh, no, he's got a lot of tools to work with for sure. Now, for me, this is the game I saw anyway. For, the, for me, for an 18-year-old, Nick Bryan just did a few things, didn't dominate the game, but just did a few things that I just really thought that, gee, that stands out. He just did one, a few things where he was like really mobile and bending down, picking up the ball. And just obviously his tap work seemed to be uh, pretty on song. So what were your thoughts on Nick? I agree completely. I would say um, Nick's been... Well, you know, without disparaging anyone else, I'd say he's been the most impressive of our uh, first-year draftees um, in the games that I've seen, and I think that's all the games. So um, he's, he, again, as you say, you, you look for um, small things in young players, particularly young tall players. And um, The great Simon Madden always told me that um, the one thing to look out for in young Ruckman is to be able to... Uh, palm the ball both ways. Um, so, you know, palm to the left and to the right with the same hand. It's a talent that I think a lot of young Ruckman struggle with. And uh, Nick was able to, in a couple of games, put um, guys away to advantage on both sides of his body, which, um, you know, for a young, lean Ruckman jumping it against uh, guys much bigger and heavier than him is a really impressive trait. He... Uh, he jumps at the footy really well. He he gets through the ruck contest well. He's good around the ground. He covers the ground really well. He's got a good set of hands. And um, for a guy his size, is terrific below his knees as well. So uh, a bit like Harrison, but uh, he's a terrific prospect. And uh, I think the club would be absolutely wrapped with what they've seen of Nick so far. Yeah, I mean, you've got to say, uh, with him and Draper coming through, that's some pretty exciting uh, tall talent when they're all fit and ready. No doubt. I reckon uh, Drapes is only young, but I reckon Drapes has got about 30 kilos on Draza at the moment. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yes. he, he's very light, Nick, but um, yeah, it didn't affect him too much in the game. So he'll, he'll you know, these guys uh, put weight on and they do sort of nothing but eat, sleep, train and eat. So <laughs> um, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll definitely bulk up over the next few years. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the plan is for him this year. I wouldn't expect to see him too much. At, well, I was going to say at VFL level. Um, I, I, I would have expected, you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe he, would have, he might have been, with a regular VFL season, he might have been on track to play 12 or 15 games, that sort of. And that's the frustration, um, isn't it? The development season. is just yeah. on hold. Well, it is. And, you know, we were talking about the VFL season and without backtracking too much, I, one thing the AFL are going to have to do at some point if, if the AFL season goes ahead is, figure out some sort of compromise where um, AFL-listed guys who aren't getting a game can play against each other in scratch matches or whatever it is in, in controlled environments. Yep. Uh, because otherwise you're going to have a whole heap of guys who sit around for 15 weeks without playing a game. Um, you know, Because coaches are going to be reluctant to pick guys who haven't got any match practice 
um, and who have been sitting on the sidelines for a few months only training. Um, we know what a big drop-off it can be from, or what a big jump it can be from training to playing, particularly sort of mid-season. So yeah. the, those who have had um, full pre-seasons and played practice matches and the Marsh Cup matches and the like are going to have a huge advantage and a huge break on um, on those who haven't at this stage, I would say, yeah. just because um, those who haven't aren't going to have had any match practice. And if they're not getting a game straight away, they're not going to get any match practice. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we had a BFL practice match scheduled this weekend and next before our season started, in part, I mean, obviously to get the BFL ready as well, but also to get the AFL guys who aren't getting a game ready. So, yeah, um, yeah the AFL will have to... Uh, it might be 12 or 15 aside, um, you know, at, after or bef- before games at Etihad or, or whatever, you know, that they'll have to figure out some way of getting um, AFL-listed guys who aren't playing some kind of match practice. No, I completely agree. Ned, Ned Cahill... Uh... Look, I've heard some only good reports, but that's training, and that's kind of like you roll your eyes a little bit. But, but, uh, but, what are your thoughts so far? From what I hear, he's he's pretty competitive kid, but that's I've never actually seen it to be honest. Yeah, uh, he's he's one of these kids who is is built to play now. He's he's small and is absolutely in his body, if that makes sense. He's not he's not going to sort of grow into it. I'm sure he'll put on weight, but. He's he's well put together. He's um, he's pretty low to the ground, which tends to help the young guys adjust a bit quicker. Um, so he, from what I understand, he was absolutely flying through preseason, and then about maybe I think you know what I think it was on the on the camp, um, the Coffs Harbour camp. I think he did an ankle, which kept him out for maybe three or four weeks. Um, I think it was an ankle. I'm thinking about that, but uh, and so his uh, VFL game at Colac was actually his first practice match last weekend. Um, so he's been impressive in training, but uh, we haven't really seen it in a game until the weekend. Um, he kicked a goal with his first kick for the club, which is always nice, even though they don't quite count in in VFL practice matches, but he still did. Um, and, and was really busy early in the game, the first sort of quarter and a half. Yeah. Um, but then sort of faded out of the game a little bit as as the first year guys are prone to do early in their careers uh, in the second half. So yeah. he um, he's quick. He covers the ground really well um, and is super competitive. Um, so you know they're they're both traits which will hold him in good stead. He. he um, uh, has really impressed everyone at the club, I think. So I imagine uh, once the VFL gets started, uh, people will be seeing a fair bit of him. I th- yeah, I think you're right. Uh, look, uh, what, obviously with the Ambrose and Hooker injury, we got to see Zerk Thatcher and Ridley get a go. And I don't know about you, but to say they've grabbed their chance pretty well uh, is an understatement. I think they've been, for me, That's this is for me, Probably the two big highlights that from the AFL, the AFL preseason, Ridley especially because I I'll be honest, I'm this is a fan podcast. This is from a fan speaking. I, I thought his body on body kind of physicality was probably lacking, and I, I felt like this preseason he's starting to show a lot more in that area. And Zerk Thatcher, 
correct me if I'm wrong, I think led almost intercept marks in the VFL last year. So, and and probably was close in the preseason to doing that. This is probably the Zerk Thatcher you've seen. Yeah, it is. And we've spoken about him before, and you know I'm a massive fan of Zerky. I always like to say that um, yeah, he might make the occasional mistake, Zerk, but when he does, he'll leave a Zerky-shaped hole in the wall. He uh, <laughs> he tends to attack with reckless abandon, which um, you know, you'll know you see a lot of intercept footy. You'll see a lot of late scores. He's got terrific closing speed, long arms, um, and, and is great on getting that late spoil in or even the late sort of intercept. Um, he's got a good set of hands. He backs himself. He's a confident kid. Um, and, and that's really, um, shown out. He's, he's sort of suffered a little bit along with, um, Michael Hartley last year in probably being, you know, two of the best, if not the two best key backs in the VFL last year, uh, in, in the comp. But, you know, we had hurls and, and uh, Paddy Ambrose and Hooksy sort of stand up all year, so they really didn't get a crack at it, yeah. um, despite playing fantastic footy. So um, I'm, Hooksy, I think, is still a little while away. I'm not sure how far, but... Um, Club said two weeks know, today. Yeah, so... And, <laughs> you know, he, he hasn't had any match practice in that time. No, either, so, so realistically, yeah, yeah. It might be an extra one or two. I'm not sure. Well, Look, round two could be in nine weeks, so who knows? <laughs> well, it could be. Round <laughs> yeah. one could be. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's, it, um, yeah, it might depend a little on how, how Zerk's going as to whether they sort of bring Hook straight back or give him an extra week of um, touch or something. But, oh, you know, I don't, doesn't pay to speculate on that sort of stuff. But what I do know that is that um, Zerk had a fantastic year last year. Uh, he's a great young talent. I really rate him. I would hate to play against him because he's all elbows and knees and pointy. And you know, he, I reckon his opponent would come off the sorest bloke on the ground, even though he's not necessarily that physical. He just he hits contests really hard, and um, yeah, he he looks like a a guy who's going to play a lot of senior footy for our club in the in the coming ten years or so. Uh, and you know he's a great, he's a really likable kid. He's popular. He seems that way. The playing group, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm wrapped for him. I'm wrapped to see him get a chance and um, and really grab that chance, as you said. And likewise, Reds, who um, you know sort of got a bit lost in the middle of last year. He he played some AFL footy. He has the talent too, no doubt about that. He just um, his form tailed off a little bit in the middle of the year, so. The uh, the selectors put him down to the VFL for a few weeks to I think to sort of try and help him really find a bit of touch and the opposite happened and he he really went into a bit of a ended up playing some really good footy for us in the latter part of the year um, and through the VFL finals and he's uh, he's got an unbelievable leg he's close to the best kick in the club and uh, as long as he stays confident and backs himself in with that, he'll be fine. But you're right, he, he you know, probably one of the knocks has been um, that he made to be a little harder in the contest at times. But I think as guys sort of develop into their bodies at 21, 22, um, that, that starts to be, you know, to come a bit more naturally. And I, I think we've seen this preseason that he looks like a, a player who's put on a little bit of weight and feels a bit more comfortable in the in the body-on-body body stuff. Now, just so you know, too, I lost you for about eight seconds, 
So okay. I'm sorry, everyone. My phone decided just to, to pair to my Bluetooth headphones uh, that are sitting on another desk, just all out of the blue. Ah, uh, yes, that so happens. I, qu- I, qu- I quickly just switched it off, so I'm sorry for that, but we, we only lost about seven or eight seconds. So I, I'm I, sure it wasn't important. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, I've got you way too long. I just want to get a very almost like dot point view of just three more players. Uh, the two sure. Irish boys, McQuillan uh, and McBride, I've seen McBride a few times. Gosh, I'm pretty impressed considering his background and he's only just starting football, but I know nothing about McQuillan. So if you can just give me a very quick dot points on that. Yeah, so McBride is absolutely massive. He's an enormous kid. Uh, he has a real natural feel for the game um, and could not have been more impressive in his first couple of hit-outs. So um, big talent there, you know, might... Big um, tank, it seems, sort of, too. Yeah, and, and can play that, you know, he's, he's big enough that he should um, grow into a key defensive sort of post, I think, so... Uh, yeah, super impressive uh, very early on. Uh, McQuillan um, played uh, against Carlton his first game um, and struggled to find it a bit. He looked, he's more um, more of a sort of Connor clone in, in body size and shape. Um, and, and, you know, that sort of running, uh, probably play halfback, that kind of role. Um, didn't sort of seem to feel as natural on the field as McBride had, but I think McBride has played a bit more through um, junior rep stuff and that. So yeah. uh, McQuillan, I think, is um, a pretty impressive athletic talent, not unlike Connor. So uh, I know the club's uh, absolutely over the moon, but we've got both of them. So hopefully big things coming from them. And last but not least, I just want to talk about Aaron Heppel. Um can I, I, you might might not be able to answer this, but was there a slight... <laughs> I, I think you know my feelings on Aaron Apple, but yeah, was carry there, on. Was there a slight disappointment with him that he's actually not on a list? You would have to say yes, wouldn't you? Because he, I thought his second half of last year, and I only saw bits of second half, so I say his first half actually could have been brilliant, but I must admit I was more focused on the second half and the finals. I thought he was enormous. Yeah, I, look, I, I won't speak for As, but what I will say is that I'm absolutely gutted he's not on an AFL list, whether that's ours or someone else's. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. I uh, I don't know what else he's got to do at this point. You know, he's won three of our last four best and fairest. He would have probably won all four, but he missed sort of 10 weeks in the other season with a knee. Um, he's, including our last two in a row, that is. Um, he's been in the... VFL, the all VFL team, I think twice. Um, he's, you know, anyone who watched the final series last year and saw him have, uh, from memory, twenty six touches and kicked four goals against Richmond in that in that uh, first qualifying final, where um, you know they came back and were able to get a slate, but that was against twenty one AFL listed bodies, and Hep was clearly the best player on that field, um, you know, by the length of the straight. So, uh, you know, there's there's been various knocks on Hep over the years. Years he's not big enough, he's not quick enough, he's whatever. I, someone's going to put this kid on the AFL list at some point, and people are going to look at him and say, "My God, how has it taken five years to get this guy on the AFL list?" I know he hasn't I got. The, I know he hasn't be. got the skill, but is there a little bit of Sam Mitchell? 
Yeah, I, they, look, I, I think what can happen at VFL level is guys can get a bit typecast. And yep. um, you know, when when recruiters see um, a guy early on in their in their VFL development, you know, they'll say, oh, he's not quick enough or he's not a good enough kick or whatever it might be. And, um, and, and that carries through, you know, three, three and four years down the track, the player they're talking about might be a completely different player, and, and in Aaron's case, he is. Um, and, and yet, they're still going on the same knocks that they saw three or four years ago. And yeah, um, yeah and I'm certain that's happened with Head because five years ago he started in our program as a you know he was borderline PFL. how he was barely getting a game. And to be honest, he probably got an initial crack at it because he was Dyson's younger brother, and, and you know deserved a look, but. Um, it couldn't be further from that now. I mean, he is as elite as you get at VFL footy. He's, uh, you know, I might be biased, but I think he's the best inside midfielder in the VFL. I think he was last year, and several of those guys got drafted. Um, yeah. You know, pe- people say he's too small. Well, he's bigger than a few guys we just took in the draft, and bigger than a hell of a lot of guys who who went in the last draft. At, uh, you know, at, as is about sort of one eighty. Uh, to uh, he might have been a bit bigger, one eighty two, one eighty three. Um, he, he's not super quick, but he's certainly not slow. He's kicking very early on in his time with us was a problem. It's absolutely not now. He's a great field kicker the city, particularly. Um, he's at the coalface. There's no one better. If I was putting one guy into a to a um, centre bounce to win me the footy, it'd be him. Yeah, uh, he, he's. He would be elite at the coalface in AFL, so he's outstanding. His competitiveness is through the roof. There's no better human you'll ever meet. There's no better citizen in, in um, footy. You know, he's, it sounds he's, like his brother. He absolutely drives our culture. And, you know, anyone who's been around our, our VFL group for the last um, five years will tell you that, you know, the, the culture of that group has been absolutely elite. And, the envy of uh, a lot of AFL systems. So uh, I, you know, I could go on and on and on forever about <laughs> yeah. him, but, but he he should be on an AFL list. I'm gutted that he's not. I hope that it happens for him. I hope he's able to stick in long enough that it happens for him. But um, it's a great shame and a great waste because he'd be playing AFL footy at a hell of a lot of clubs right now. So. Yeah. Well, look, uh, I've taken you way over time, so sorry about that. But you've been absolutely, no, be. you've been absolutely awesome, mate. Um, uh, thank you so much for joining the show. That is a really good proper wrap up of everything, uh, and I'm sure uh, Essendon fans and members would absolutely love uh, hearing from you again. And um, yeah, very much appreciated. And I'm sure we'll be digging. Uh, Essendon, <laughs> Essendon news as normal from here on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, my uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and we'll talk again in now when everything's changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another update tomorrow. All right, thanks heaps, man, and have a great night. No worries, mate. Catch up. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. We have another guest. This is Johnny Elliott. Now, Johnny Elliott, if you don't know, he was, I'm pretty sure he was a team services manager for the majority of seven years. He was also a bit of a slash runner. 
Uh, he was, he, I think with Essendon, he was there for 93 to 2000. Correct me if I'm wrong, Johnny, and 2010 to 2017. But welcome, Johnny Elliott. How are you going, John? Yeah, going well, mate. Yourself? Not too bad. Look, uh, I think it's for most people, they'll know your face. If they saw you, they go, oh, okay, I've been to training course. That's, is that... <laughs> so it, yeah, they, probably, they probably would, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's funny when I when I look at your your time frames, and, and I'll be completely blunt. Uh, Ninety three to two thousand. I'm pretty sure for you was such a better period than the, than the latter uh, seven years. So can you tell me how you start off in ninety three, and that's probably one of the most exciting years and sides was seen. How did you feel like like you're some magic wand and whatever I touch is turned to gold? Oh, no, it wasn't at all like that. So I, I started uh, there in 93 um, through my grandfather, who was Jack Elliott, who was a um, famous racing journalist and who was also on um, Sports yep. World. And um, yep. he was very he was very good friends with Sheeds. So um, as a lot of your listeners would understand, back in the early 90s, there was, no, there was uh, virtually no full-time football staff. Yep. Maybe... Maybe Sheeves and maybe maybe Danny Corker at the time may have been and David Whedon um, and probably uh, Noel Judkins. Noel Judkins, yep. The yep. famous, yep. Yep. And then, um, so basically, when I first started um, in those early years, I was still at school and I was only, well, I was only 14 in that year. So, and it's actually funny to talk about, but back in, back in those days, Training, training didn't start until probably five o'clock, six o'clock at night, because all the all the players had um, jobs. Yep. So I would um, basically sheets. Firstly, I knew sheets through my pa, and then um, I would go to training on Tuesday and Thursday night, and firstly just kick the footies back to the players, get all the footies in, um, and then I'd help with you know whatever needed to be done around the change rooms, or it could be from washing jumpers and shorts and socks to cleaning uh, cleaning boots. Um, and that sort of stuff. And, then, you know, as a 14, 14-year-old, well, that was um, pretty amazing to be around about around such uh, great people and your idols, like, you know, um, Mark Harvey and Bomber yeah. and yep. uh, Dean Wallace and Darren Buick and those sort of things. And, um, and it was, you know, you're happy to do anything, but at that stage you sort of you did do everything because there was no such thing as what they have now, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. yeah, it was a lot different back then. So, just um, going back to that time, you as a fan, who who did, was there a little bit of like you know, oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> how do how do you almost uh, not become almost a fan and be professional <laughs> as um, much as you can be, like because well, like you said, you do have halves and bomber and um, and those kind of guys, and uh, even Tim Watson to at, at at one point, I guess that would be a massive yeah. name. Well, yeah, well, they were obviously all my idols growing up. Um, I don't know. It's sort of, it's sort of. You look back at it now as you get older, and it was quite surreal. But at the time, you sort of just—they all just such great blokes. The crew we had between '93 and, and 2000, you know, like I'm still close friends with a lot of them to this day, and um, they were they were fantastic. Um, every single player and staff member at the club were fantastic to me as a kid. Yeah. Uh, and then you know they'd welcome my younger brothers down as well, and they would help out. And you know, and um, you know, from you know uh, Michael Pryor, I remember him driving me home. Yep. 
um, uh, Seth would drive us home in the old Kingswood back to Strathmore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, all that sort of stuff was unbelievable. And, you know, and then you, all of a sudden you'd be, you know, I'd be kicking the, kicking the footy with Gavin Wanganine and then, you know, my friends would be actually um, over at my house, which I lived in Strathmore at the time with my family and, it could be, you know, a Thursday afternoon or I think it might have been or a Friday, I can't I quite remember. And, you know, Gavin Wenganine was sitting in my lounge room um, and, you know, would, would kick the footy with my friends and, like, they, it was just, it was amazing, actually, experience, like, to really think about it to this day. But at that time, uh, I don't know, it was just quite normal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That makes, no, that makes yeah, perfect sense. Yeah, in a, in a strange way. And, you know, and, and, and then I ended up, you know, I lived with... Um, I lived with Michael Simons. Remember, everyone would remember Mickey Simons. Yeah, very good um, mark for a young man. Yeah, no, he was a great man, and uh, so I ended up living with him. And so, yeah, just the, the it just sort of all evolved, and you know, and being involved in that sort of, uh, they're all just they're just all great. Basically, can tell by the with the team. Oh, they're all just great people. Every single person was a great person. Can I ask? Uh, even as a young guy, and 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 we can go into more when you're kind of more the turning sort of 18 kind of phase the yeah how how um you, you've kind of grown up with sheeds how how would you describe sheeds that someone else may not know or understand with the kind of insight that you have seeing him at training or is there something about sheeds that you noticed why it made him so why he was so great yeah he was so great and, and he still is so great but the the, the thing that i found um as I got older and, you know, as a kid, you saw was obviously with his positivity. Yeah. No matter what, no matter what situation the team was in. But not, not so much about the team, more about how he handled people in in bad situations or, you know, family problems or whatever you sort of had at that time. She would always find a positive out of it and would always, um, always hold, um, you know, family in that as high value and, he would always be able to teach you a way to solve a problem, but also, you know, there's always going to be a problem, you'd say, but what's the best case scenario? What are you going to learn from this? Yeah. And that's how the players and, you know, that's how he was with the staff. Like, and no one was, no one was higher than anyone. If you were, if you were um, Bomber or Mark Harvey or, or you were cleaning the boots, it doesn't matter who you were, everybody was equal. And, he, and 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 you guys, you know, who have been around the club and watched the club vividly, you can like you know, Phantom and those sort of people around the yep. club, Killer, um, Colin Hooper, and those sort of people, you know, Hoops, those people, and the trainers and the tra- you know Charlie and you know Kenny Box and all yep. the trainers back. At- yeah, but that, those people are the club. You know, the players are, but I really find that those sort of people and and you and the supporters are the club, and she's. And as you know, as supporters, he always involved the supporters. <laughs> so I think that was his greatest strength. Strength, but oh, geez, I could sit here all night and talk about his strengths. But uh, so you know, there was just so many. No, he had that. Yeah, I don't know if it was his background. He's, uh, but he he just had that ability to grab everyone, including fans, and, and be on the same mission. Uh, and I did. Yeah, yeah, and like I, I still catch up with him. I called him not long ago, and we're actually sitting at the Windy Hill Social Club, and you know, and we sat with uh, like two blokes I've never met in my life, and he goes, 
just listen to their story. And you actually learn so much from me. And he'll sit there and listen to these people about their war stories, about their family stories, about, you know, everything that's happening in their life. And they're just random people. Yeah. But they walk, they walk, walk away and, you know, he's changed their life. And that's what, that's what he's done with like so many people. Um, and that's including me, um, big time. But I think what he's brought to the supporters, another thing he brought to the supporters was hope, I reckon. Yeah. 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 I reckon you guys would agree with that. And hope was always, I remember some of those games through the nineties, you know, we'd be down at we'll be down by thirty, forty points, you know, half time and that and but we, we still thought we could win. Because yep. he would he would install that in us that we could still win. Yeah, right. it was Yep. But I, I the, the the angriest I ever saw him was um definitely after the nineteen ninety six preliminary final. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was um that was the that was the um, angriest I've ever seen him, and he and I think he to this day he still regrets the way he sort of probably went off after that game. Um, <laughs> so do I. That, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's the only time I ever saw him really, really lose his cool. Yeah, I, it's funny because you I mean you hear guys like Hurdy and that kind of speak about him. And they talk about, besides a few, obviously, one or two massive games, but they talk about, you know, you heard he used to say, you can lose a game by 70 points. And he, he the next day, will talk about the positives and talk about why we're going to win this week. And, and, it's, and it's very genuine. He's, and he instills straight away, he heard he would talk about, he instilled straight away uh, a positivity that made you actually get over the previous loss quite quickly. Oh, it'd be gone by the Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and back, and then so, and then ninety four, ninety, and then ninety six, I became full time at sixteen years of age, and um, and there was um probably seven of us in the in um in the football department full time at that stage, and um, oh, I'd be doing a host of um jobs at that stage, but you know from whatever it was to all the videotapes back then with a guy called Anthony Northwood, who was fantastic as well. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he'd, we'd have to be there on a Sunday morning and he'd want every single player's take done by the Monday morning. So the player would walk in and, let's say, it was Hurdy, for instance, they would have all the, all the plays he was in for the entire game. And, yeah. um, and he'd want that done by the next morning to, to, to get on with the week ahead. No, well, if you're going to 2000, how how do you find that 2000 in year with Sheeds? Because... He's very much an underdog and, and that kind of guy where we can get back, we can... But then you've got a year where oh my, literally, literally every game bar one, you're completely dominant. And I, I always wondered, and, and I don't know if you would know this, how Sheeds kind of acted that year and, and and because you've really got a team that's so dominant over the competition, it's it must be actually hard to know how to instill... Uh, kind of that competitiveness and fire that they need for each game. Yeah, he, he just sort of he, he, ninety nine. I, I I still think ninety nine was probably you know the the, the what, what he saw. Yeah, yeah, it was to win the premiership, and he just coached unbelievably in ninety nine. And um, I don't. I, I think the team wasn't that good <laughs> in two thousand. Um, I, I my opinion is he had already coached them to win it in ninety nine. That makes you know what I'm, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, not saying he didn't do the majority of work in 2000, but I think the job, the way he coached over 99, it was already done. Is that, is that, is that can sort of make sense? With yeah, you guys? Yeah. yeah. That's how I sort of felt that happened. But I, and, I, and, and, and 1996, like, 
we definitely weren't the best team in it, but you know, we we should, obviously should have made the grand final. <laughs> but we came from six that year. People forget that that we came from six to to lose the preliminary final after the siren. Yeah, true. Yeah, so. There was a lot of years there, and then obviously with our 30s and 30s, 98, 97, 98, 99. Um, and then, you know, you got, and then he, he, he had um, he had the back line all sorted, and then he, and then he got Wally back at fit, fire and Wally, and bam, he over. Um, so, you know, it was, all, it was all set. If you really look at it to this day, it was ready to go. Can you tell me about the evolution of, I guess, what you see? Um obviously midweek training from James Heard, the 18-year-old, to James Heard, the sort of the 24, 25-year-old Brownlow medalist kind of thing. Uh, can you, do you, do you think back and see, just see uh, the, oh, the evolution he, of, of what he became? He's, uh, he's, he's, he's work ethic as, as a person and as a, as a athlete is as good as I've ever seen. Um, he would, uh, he was always a hard trainer. So, it, and he, he probably knew he had to be a hard trainer because he probably, you know, he yep. probably wasn't as, as, as skillful as a Martin Curie or or Gavin Wayne and you know what I mean? But he was in the end, but he wasn't as natural as they were. So he, he always was a hard worker. And I remember a great story for you guys would be um, in 97, 98, you know, he couldn't, his foot was just completely gone at that stage. Um, and he would get um, either myself or Colin Hooper a lot of you guys would know him, so I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, <laughs> Who yeah, doesn't? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He would, um, he would get uh, one of us to kick about 150 footies in his hands while he um, was on the ground on his knees because he couldn't be on his foot. That's, that's what sort of, that's, yeah, that's what sort of trainer he was. So 150 balls, but I mean, flat out kick him at him as hard as you nearly can, maybe five or ten meters away. And, and he would sit out there. That was after the main group had already trained. So it would have been, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that sort of gives you an idea of what sort of um, trainer and, and, and mindset he had. You know, he was always going to overcome it, which was which he did. No, well, <laughs> that's an interesting story because you, you get a sense that's who you that's who you think he is, but it's always nice to... Get that kind of validated when you see guys who actually see, you know, the work he's putting in. I mean, not like you said, he can't even step on his, can't even stand up or be off, be on his foot basically. And and then he's getting, he's making sure there's there's at least one part of his his game that can always improve, and that's what usually makes yeah. champions. He was literally not allowed on his foot, so he would just kneel on his knees. <laughs> that's how. That's how. I'm, I can just I can vision it, uh, vision it now. So it was just it was it was amazing to watch. So, look, you that kind of that first chapter is obviously a very rosy kind of picture of Essendon. You probably had this fantastic time of Essendon. Then I think you leave after two thousand. Did you? Did, did you? Uh, yeah, and then I, I I also have a background in tennis, which I'm actually yep. back into. Um, so I went into. Um, um, back into the uh, tennis, in the uh, like um, playing and um, coaching um, up until well, from the whole time I was uh, left until 2010. Yep. And then um, obviously Hoodie got the job. I, I think I think I started maybe September 2010. I reckon I think the finals may, may have been still on. To be to be fair. Yep. Um, 
So we came back there and, um, um, yeah, so there was me all from the old crew that I uh, was was with as a kid was uh, was my or Danny Corcoran, um, yep. Bomber, myself, and Wally, and um, and Wally, Sean, so. Sean Wellman around and, then. Yeah, Sean Wellman yeah. and Wally, he's a great man. So and that that was um, that we all came back and then um, 2011 preseason was really good. Um, we came from, oh, I can't remember where we finished the last year under ninth, maybe 12th, 13th, was it? Maybe it might have been lower, maybe. Yeah. Maybe 15th, I can't remember. But um, um, the training the training standards weren't up to what Hurdy would have uh, would have thought they had to be. Um, so yep. I think it was a bit um, uh, rude awakening for a lot of that a lot of that list at that time um, yep. because I don't think they'd ever trained um, as hard as they would under Hurdy um, as a coach. Yep. Um, so that, but the preseason, you know, I can, you know, it was it was, it was a great time. Like the, the, the squad was a great, it obviously changed a lot throughout those seven years. But you know, I, I can remember, yeah, walking into the club and that list at that time. That you know, one, a wonderful group of uh, players, and so I'm still friendly with a lot of them now. And um, but there was a lot of work to be done. But we and but we we got to the finals that year, and I, we we got. Pretty much, I think we might have lost by ten goals to Carlton in the final, but yeah. But I think it was a really good stepping stone to come from fifteenth to well, let's say eighth. I think it may might be seventh or eighth, and um, yeah, in nine months. Um, and, and and I think the season that season gave you know supporters a lot of hope after after what had happened in the previous couple of years. Um, and and it, and it was a it was a happy club, really happy club. It was fantastic and. He was, you know, a lot like Sheed in some ways. You probably hate me saying that, but he was. Um, but, you know, everything looked like it was going to be um, a, a great. <laughs> it is. Yeah, well, it obviously leads to the next frame. And it's, and it's, it's obviously not the prettiest moment uh, to, to understate it. Uh, so, look... Can I ask uh, an honest question? And then this is a fan question, and you can answer it or not. But yeah. uh, Dean Robinson and, and Stephen Dank come into the club, um, yeah. and for whatever you know, I'm I I'm not going to go too much into should you know background checks and all that sort of stuff. They both they both worked in professional sports. That doesn't bother me as much. Uh, we we hired them, so be it. Uh, it was. Did you notice anything, or, or how did you perceive the the two guys in the program? Sort of that's now sort of I guess in yeah. infamous stories. Yeah. Um, well, um, Dean Robertson first started um, probably in the last um, last three or four weeks of 2011. Yeah. So I sort of and I obviously as um, uh, I went to team, so I actually became team manager that year as well. So obviously, I had a lot to do. Sorry, sorry, Johnny, I just lost you for about five seconds. Then. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, so, so yes, yeah, so when Benny first started the club, I obviously had a lot to do with him because, as team manager, I had to help help him find, uh, you know, for instance, a place to live. Yeah. You know, he had had twins at that stage, and obviously a wife. Um, uh, we had to organise together. So obviously, as team manager and all that sort of stuff, I thought, well, at that time we we're still at Windy Hill. 
So yeah, true. Yeah. And, and Windy Hill wasn't uh, suitable for the program that we we're going to do. So I had to go. Danny Corcoran um, gave me a job to do. That was to go to find another ground for us to train at. Um, and I actually had I couldn't find one anywhere without a cricket pitch. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then somehow I stumbled across Victoria Park with with, with Dean Robinson. Knowing that Collingwood would have to lecture centre or whatever it was called at the time. Yep. And and, and Ian Robson, the CEO, goes, Well, Collingwood aren't going to give it to us. I said, Oh, well, I'll ring Eddie. And he goes, Oh, okay, do that. So I rang up Eddie and I said, You know, la, la, la. <laughs> and I was with uh, Weapon in the car and I said, You know, would, it, would, it, would you mind us, you know, maybe using Victoria Park? And he started laughing and, you know, you need us to help you out again. And he, he was actually fantastic. He said, Yeah, of course, no problem. So we actually did all our weight sessions out of Windy Hill, but I don't know if you guys know this, but every main session um, was done out of um, Victoria Park. I, and, I must admit, I never yeah. knew that. Yep, every main session was done out of Victoria Park and the whole pre-season was done at Victoria Park um, because Hurdy and Bomber um, found Windy Hill not suitable for main training, um, mainly because of the dimensions of the ground are so small and that the cricket pitch went through the mill. Yep. So... So Wepper uh, and I had a lot to do with each other, you know, just logistically-wise, you know, trying to get this program up and running as best we could without, um, you know, letting the coaches coach the players. And um, so, look, I, I found him, you know, I, I actually got on with him quite well. Like, you know, I, I probably get on with most people quite well, but, I, you know, I never... Things got out of, out of hand, you know, and obviously he threw off the handle a little bit, and, but there was a lot of stress at the time. and Yeah. Um, you know, um, I think he would regret, you know, things that, what, that things that how he um, went about things at the time as well. But he, look, in all fairness to him, and you know, and I, obviously I've got to know a lot of uh, people who were at Geelong, obviously um, through my relationship with uh, Chappie and Bomber. Yeah. Um, they, 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 they all speak so highly of him, and you know, um, he's obviously made a lot. He made, you know, a few blues with us, and but. Yeah, generally, you know, that's, that's what happens. But I found, you know, he, he just wanted the boys to become strong and big and, you know, Bonger is all about them being strong and, you know, you know, to hit the pack hard and Brendan McCartney was the same and so was Goody. And so he, um, he, he look, he, if it all went according to plan, I think we would have done really, really, really great things, you know. Um, but, and then Dank, um, you know, I, I actually got him with him fine, to be honest. Like he was, Unorganised and um, that sort of stuff. But you know, he he was first brought in, you know, to um, manage the GPSs and um, that sort of stuff as a, as a science sort of thing. Yeah. And then, um, and then, you know, and then he obviously was a, a, a sports doctor. And then, you know, I think what he was doing at the start was all all good. Everyone was in for it. But then he did probably go a fraction rogue and did things that. That shouldn't have been happening, but um, look, I don't think we're the Lone Rangers at the time either. <laughs> I, oh I, no, I that's a, that's a given. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had that sort of program, but uh, to give you a bit of an insight, the, you know, the worst. I think the I think the worst thing was doing was was self reporting. Um, yeah, I still remember that day, and then uh, I was in it in the meeting, and um, and I just could not believe that we we're going to self report when we don't think we've done anything wrong. So I was like, well, what are we self-reporting about? <laughs> mm. Does that make sense? Yep. And, 
and by doing that, that just created, you know, it was, I look back, and like it was, they'll they'll still break years, you know, because we had such a great group of coaches and players, and the you know the players were just the, some of the greatest people we'll ever meet, and we still had great times. It was still a great place to be. Um, but looking back at um, um, self-reporting, uh, I, I'm not blaming anyone for that. You know, that's just that's just what happened. But I guess it was a crazy thing to do because then it became a political game, and I think the Labor government, you know, they were in charge that time. And um, well, you you and, you sense from afar. This is the fan speaking, and 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 you know, I was at a lot of the court cases that Hurdy was in and Club was in, and and I was a bit. You know, over, you know, over researched it. You would say, but you, you sensed the whole self-reporting there, and then releasing this Swikowski report to the public. You go, I mean, for me, I'm in corporate business, right? I went, why would anyone release an internal report to the public? Because there's nothing that good can come out of it, and, no, and, no, and no, that's that's no. how it played out. <laughs> and, and, the, and the way it got play, played out, you know. Um, through so, so many people that, that did nothing wrong, it, it, it was, you know, really upsetting. And I remember the day that yeah, the players um, were found guilty and that. And they were actually, we were, I would have had 19 people plus staff, old staff at my house that night. And um, throughout the night, and it was a big night. And, um, but, you know, like the, the stories that come out of it, like it's, they're just not true. Like, you know, um, stuff about Hurdy and, you know, that sort of stuff and, um, you yeah, know, Dean Mott, yeah. uh, the record, it's just, it's just so, so not true. Like, Bank was meant to keep his own record, you know, he obviously wasn't great at keeping records. No. And we, put our hand, we put our hand up for that. You know, Dean Robinson, Dean Robinson was meant to be managing him. I'm, I'm sure he would put his hand up and say that wasn't managed, you know, to, to, to the greatest of his ability. Um, you know, and then I'll play, you know, myself and, uh, other people in the footy staff are probably saying, "Oh, we should have done something a bit differently." But overall, we still thought everything was fine. So now it felt like from afar, like we were sloppy in some areas for sure. But as far as intent and the accusation of anything deliberate, anything it was very far from the truth. That's that's me of what I've researched. It felt like, yeah, sure, you know, there were some key players that got really sloppy and, and it needed to be much more professional than that. But the actual intent of the program was not even close to what then no, became the narrative. And, and and I can tell all the all the fans out there and I can I can remember it to this day, I was seeing on the email that Hurdy wrote that everything has to be WADA and ASADA approved or it's absolutely no. And I was CC'd on that email with about 500 people and he wrote that um, 100% in 2012. Yeah. So, yeah. And, that, and that's just, like, you know, I, I saw it with my own eyes. It was in my, on my email. So he, he was always about that. You know, so was Bomber. Bomber, Bomber would never, ever ever cheat, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he hates people cheating, he hates people doing, you know, the wrong thing, and which, you know, and then he ended up doing it. You know, it just changed so many people's um, um, direction of life, the way, like the, the starter interviews were just so intense, you know, they they went through everything. You know, I, I was, besides the main four people, I, mine went for nearly a day and a half. Um, and then, you know, uh, like it changed... The, the, do they do they go through text messages and emails with you? Yeah, they had, they had 
and I had every single one of my text messages for that year. Didn't matter if it was to you, yeah, thirty, forty, yeah. We had we had group messages. Like some were just funny, you know, just blokes being silly, you know. They weren't <laughs> even. It's probably embarrassing in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, it uh, was. And then, um, you know, and they say, and then I had, um, like, you know, I had a script for a. I cracked my nail on a on a footy drill, and I had a script that. You know, they said, oh, what, why are you getting um, stuff from Paul's far over the road? And I said, it's a, it's a, it's a description for my uh, prescription for my nail. And like I said, this, this isn't out of control. Like the things they were trying to come up with were just, it just went through. And, yeah. um, and, and then, you know, but the, we still had, we were still having, I know it sounds crazy, you probably don't understand, but it was still a good place to take at that time. Well, it's you know, funny. It felt like in 2013, right? And I've talked about this before. It felt like 2013, as much as everything hit the fan, right? The team was performing outstanding, and 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 the and the unity after each game they won, with their arms around each other, with the coach. You know, it felt like in a warped way, it was as tight a group as it's probably ever been at Essendon for a long, long time. It definitely was, and that, you know that came from you know people like Job and um, you know Hurl, David Myers, and you know people um, who, were, who were the leaders. But it also came from you know Hurdy, Bomber, yep, uh, and the staff and all that sort of stuff. Um, Bit of us against them, kind of it almost felt like. Yeah, no, it did, it did, and it was really, really good. And we um, and we had such a good, you know, such good friendships. Everyone was so, everyone was so. Um, so close to each other, after, probably because of what we'd been through, but that was from staff to the players to the to everyone. Um, everyone was just so close and, and, and such close friends. And um, and and then the, and the year with Bomber was it was a great year too. And you know that was um, fun and exciting. And having Bomber coach the, the boys and me being the team manager and runner and yeah, that, that was a great year as well. And he, he coached on game day like he was just unbelievable on game day. He was the, you could just see why he was such a good coach, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's such a good man, and that was a great that was a fun season too. And I, I think we should have done a lot. You know, we we should have done a lot better in fourteen. You know, we we really were going well at times and a few flat spots in fourteen. But overall, we should have probably beaten North that night. We didn't, but we should have. And then you know, you never know what could happen again. So yeah, but. But Bomber was such a good coach. I remember that night on the phone to me, he was saying down to the bench, you know, we're going to lose this game. I said, why? What do you mean? He said, you know, we're, we're killing them. And he said, they're all getting ahead of the, all getting out of the ball. And he just knew straight away when they were, when, when that group was off. He knew. Yeah. It was an amazing thing. And, you know, I wish the supporters could see it. It was an amazing thing how he could see a game, what was going to happen in a game before it even happened. Yep. Yeah, and he just did that, you know, virtually every game that he coached for us. It was incredible. But the but the players that you were in 13 and 14 were just, you know, were fantastic as well. Like, you know, from, from Job to the 42nd player on the list, everyone was just yeah. together. We did everything together. We had social things together. We did everything together. And it was, um, you know, people might not believe it, but it was still a great place to be in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a strange way. No, I... It felt that way, and it was in in a weird way. It was quite exhilarating to watch. 
um, because obviously a fan, you know, had a bit of a, I mean, obviously they had their angst and it was us against them as well. I mean, we were no fans of the AFL to be blood uh, or Asada and, or, of you know, Labor Party or anyone <laughs> at that stage. Uh, but it, it did feel like we were kind of riding that wave of us against them and, and, and you know those those wins in Perth and, and everything like that they're they're really special moments in in in, in my memory anyway. Oh, they still in my memory every day. You know, every every week they were, they were, they were still good times. I think the supporters were going through so much. They were having I think they were having great times as well with those wins. You know, it was up against the whole yeah AFL <laughs> in some ways, and you know, and those were even the, I think the last game may have been against Carlton in two thousand after we've been kicked out of the finals. We won that night. And I reckon Goody coached that night, or maybe Goody or Ego, one of them coached that night. We won that. Do you remember that game? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, so, you know, we had all those great wins as well. And, you know, you forget how good, um, you forget how good, um, um, you know, Matthew Egan was and Goody, like the staff we had was just, you know, we would have won a premiership, I reckon, no doubt, with the staff we had. You know, Matthew Egan, uh, Brendan McCarthy, you know, he'd gone pretty early to the Bulldogs, the Bomber, Herbie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know it was unbelievable stuff. So, and then we get to yeah, fifteen, and you know it, it started well and everything was good, and you saw that glimpses throughout the middle. Um, but I just think everyone had totally burnt out. You that's know? what I, that's uh, what it felt like. It just like it's only so much you could have a headline and have investigations ongoing. Uh, and and then even the sense of you know you'd have one story that was a glimmer of a hope. And then the next month, it would be the next story that was completely another attacking side uh, that would come in. And, and um, look, I, I wanted to ask you, and, and again, always feel free to say, oh, I can't talk about that. But there's one person, you know, if, if you told me who the two people I admire, say, 11 and 12, 2011 and 12, I probably would have said James Hurd and David Evans. Now, the latter of the person, uh, I find it very hard to read from afar because uh, I think it, it, as a fan frustration, we've never heard the guy speak. Uh, we, we, I, I still find it a little bit odd that the president at the time just left and, um, and I understand he may not have been well. So I get even, in, even having a bit of a pause in time, and, but to this day, we have no idea. Uh, of what some things that had happened, uh, and and where he sat with some things, uh, we can put two um, and, we can put two and two together maybe. But if you look, no, no, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great question, um, and he really is. And I hope the supporters know that he, he was a really good, always good to me, and 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 good to the players. He was fantastic because he's great to the players, wasn't he? And that's why I say about the Herdian thing. And it's not a knock on David. Me saying I haven't heard from him. No, I no, wish no, I did, no, but. No. But if you talk to Mark McVeigh, these guys, you know, he's helped out a lot of players in personal times and, and big moments. Oh, and, and, and and that's that's the whole thing. I, I, my frustration almost is, is is like how much I rated him to to how much it just disappeared. Now, I know he goes to functions the last year or so, which is kind of a, at least and he, a start. And he, still does, and he still does help out a lot of the ex-players and staff. Like he, and, he, and he's a great man, David Evans. But um, I just think, like... Looking back now, that night, because oh, I was, a, I think I might have been running that night, but like he, I remember him walking in the change rooms, and he was just, he looked like he was going to die. Like, yeah. like I, 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 
I think back then, I know I've seen David and I've spoken to David a few times since at all, but I just think he had some sort of, you know, breakdown. Just, break, just breakdown. breakdown, which is, uh, which is, uh, you know, I, I you know, but, um, but it happens to the best of them. I even heard he at one point. So it happens, yep. people, people can only take so much. He can take so much. And that, that's what I think it was. Maybe one day he will tell his side of the story. Maybe he might just think, well, it's best left alone. So, um, you know, he he was in a hard, hard, hard spot. Like his dad, his dad Ron had had such a good um, legacy at Essendon in the AFL, and yep. you know he was close to Andrew Demetrio, which is fine. And then like, and, and he was so close to Hurdy and Reedy, and you know, and then he was close to you know Wally and Bomber, and you know, like a, a tough situation to be in. And you know, he was probably the first man to suffer something from it. But then there was, um, you know, uh, you know, Dean Wallace. You know, he went through a lot, and he's a really good friend of mine. And he went yep. through a lot. You know, people don't realise what it did to people. Like, you know, Dean Wallace is like me, and and like yourself, and just, like he just loves Essendon Football Club. You know, and yep. and you know, he was just gutted when he was when he was sacked. You know, he, he, he did some rotten, you know, bad mistakes with the game. And he'll 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 put his hand up for that sort of stuff. But you know, he'd do anything to the club, and then and then. Um, uh, and then obviously, uh, you know, Hurdy, all the Hurdy stuff. And, you know, um, you know, I could sort of sense back in 15, what he, he wasn't totally, you know, himself, but he still seemed pretty good, but not fully mm. himself. But and then the pressure that was put on him and Tanya and, and the family was just ridiculous. Like the, the, the president of America doesn't get that much attention, you know? Like, no, it's just it, bizarre. It got bizarre. It was just crazy, and you know, no one, you know, no wonder what happened, what he went through. And you know, I remember one night, you know, I was actually, actually, um, I drove the, uh, you know, we have the property truck. I don't know what, for some reason I drove it that night, and I was still in my running gear, off the ground, and heard he goes, "Come on, quick, get in the truck, let's just go." And he, he just wanted to sit with me in the truck after we were in Perth and we lost by about twelve goals. And I said, "No, I'm still in the gear." He goes, "No, just let's just go." And I said, "Okay." And like. I thought then I was, you know, this is this is not going well, you know. And uh, we had yeah. a good chat, that and that was like, uh, you know, ten o'clock Perth time, in a in a in a three ton truck driving around the streets of Perth, and and then maybe the next week was the Adelaide game. I can't remember exactly, but um, and then you know he had all these troubles, and but now he's going really well. And then we had you know Bonner and Hurdy are such um. That was such wonderful things for me, and I'm so close with him. And then Bomber had his troubles, and he's just like, you know, he's just one of the greatest person people you've ever met in your life, Bomber. Mm. And he'll help anyone. And you know, and he went, he went through his own, his own um, battles after what had happened with um, the whole saga, and it really, really tore Bomber apart. Yeah. Um, um, he just, he was up all night, like he'd be on the internet for two, three in the morning every night, trying to work out what the hell had happened, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah he's and not the only one, yeah. He's not the only one, and that, and that you know, it, it, it's ruined his life for a while, and he's done really well again now, And but, you know, like, it ruined his life. It, it, you know, I I left Essendon the way I didn't want to leave Essendon because I love Essendon, and, and, you know, I probably did wrong things by, uh, you know, wanting to pursue work cover, and, but that was just out of anger and, and disappointment at the time, and, yeah. you know, and... Yeah, and that, and that's just what it does to people because you're so, as you guys know, as supporters and yourself, you're so emotionally involved, and then to be told you no longer got it, it's it's it's, it's very hard for people inside the footy bubble world. And um, to give you guys a bit of an insight, it's 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 very hard. I know it's hard for players, but it's actually very hard for staff too. 
Well, you're you're there at 14 years old, so it's it's family. Yeah. It's it's that's all you know in some ways at some point. Oh no, and and and, and you know, uh, the decisions I made, you know, to, to do things were probably wrong, but the way. I was like, I was probably done not well either. And, um, you know, I didn't get told for the November, so it never gave me a chance to, you know, hunt down other clubs. But, yeah. Uh, and, that, you know, it was probably just anger and bitterness, not, not bitterness, but just, just really disappointing, you know, because you just loved the place and you wanted to you wanted to be part of it again. But, yeah, I, and I'm all at peace with it now. And, I, you know, I went through some hard times myself but after it all. But, um it, it, it just it, it really did you know uh, you know especially the people I'm closest to like Herdy, Bono, Wally and um, that it really did um, you know screw people's lives around and I, and I don't think that's fair because you know we didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> no, you should the the level of of how everyone got hit over a few you know administrative mistakes and those sort of things is like it, it's just. I mean, do not do that. Was a frustration. Do, do people not know how seventeen clubs are, <laughs> operate? You know, it's it's like, come on, like it's just we look. We were forced to be an example of they they saw a rich club that could cop the whack, um, and that's how I. That's my cynical view. I'm pretty honest about it. But but uh, I, look, I I feel for you guys like yourself and how it kind of ended. I I hoping that the ninety three two thousand when you when you start reflecting more and you're adding a bit more out of the scene you actually go, it still actually was a wonderful life and, and, and pretty, oh, pretty no, that is it. It's a, and it's a, and it's the best club in the world. And I and I'm, you know, totally, you know, love it again. Probably did pull out of a love it <laughs> a love for a little bit. <laughs> but now, you know, I've got a three and a half year old and he loves the bombers and um and um and we go and that sort of stuff and you know, it's, it's time heals, and you know everyone moves on. And yeah, I think the club, you know, Xavier's doing a you know a good job, and um, I think it's in the it's going in the right direction. You know, there's probably a lot of work that's still to be done, but I think you know why well, you got those people there and Haas and you know, Carousello. Yeah. There's Carousello, and I think Rutten just from even from this preseason, you just get the sense there's a few things that are getting put in place that starting to give you a little bit of hope. Yeah, I, I think so too. And you and also got um, James Kelly, who brings a lot as well. Yep. And I, was, I was involved in for that, uh, you know, the year when he came as a player. And then um, then you got um, oh, Blake, yeah, of course, Blake. Yeah, Blake, Blake's a good man. So you got, you know, there's good people there. And I think it's in the, in the right spot. And Bush is a really good man. He's a great person. So his strength's probably not the technical side of it, but his strength is... He's such a great person. Is, um, is he more like a unifier? I mean, did it feel like that's the appointment that really had to, well, not as I don't say had to happen, but the main reason he was came on board uh, really to be the, the, almost like a healing unifier, can I say? Or in some he was. Ways? He was really, he, he was so, um, and I, I worked closely with him in that pre-season in that year. Um, and actually I sat virtually next, next to him. So, and he was a, um, Oh, great! For it. He was. He was just so calm. He never. Got, I can't even remember him getting flustered. I can't remember him getting even worked up. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. seem like it's possible. No, no. He is. He is always calm around everything. You know, from um, you know, from staff to players, and just kept everything. He was great. And um, I think having him there for this year will be really, really good because he can work on the other side with the coaches. Why Rutten and um, Blake probably um, go down more the. the um, Strategic path, I'd imagine. I, I don't know, but I'd imagine that's what's happening. 
Yeah, just my my experience of training. Like I've gone to twice now training, and um, I, I, you know, you do notice the differences. You go, gee, um, truck is is a lot more vocal, not in like a demeaning way, but he's more vocal, like what he wants. Uh, and he, and he, and you know, if he's overseeing overseeing drills, you you know he's got he's got a bit more uh, authority, kind of commanding voice that he he demands, kind of. Uh, application excellence um, so and he he took when I watched him he took real notice of Hurley and Hooker and and he was he was you could tell his view was no I want to I really want to coach these guys they might be 29 30 years old but there's always things you can improve on uh, and, and I know I know the craft well myself of defense so I kind of liked that he embraced the whole list no, no, yeah I, I've actually been there training but I will try and take get there training but I think he's um I don't know. I don't know him at all, to be honest with you. But uh, I, I, what I can see, it's going to be, it's going to work. I reckon. I think keeping Musa for the year is a, is a, is a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do I. Have him around and that sort of stuff, and then you know, if he wants to get back to Perth and see the family, it's not such a big a deal, you know, because mm. there's a there's a structure in place where it'll work. But um, it's going to be interesting because we we don't really know. Yeah, we don't know, know if we're playing in three days. We don't know if we're playing uh, in we fifty no days. Yeah. And it's like you know. I'm back in the tennis world now, and um, you know the ATP's uh, suspended for uh, six to eight weeks, and um, there's other players uh, are back in Australia, and they don't know what to do. And then you got you know the um, AFL. It would be. I was actually thinking about it today in the car, and thinking about it. If I still had the same job at Essen, it used to be a hard week um, trying to work out what's going to happen. And, and I, I think you know. Um, you know, we probably get into the AFL about how they handled our situation, which probably wasn't their greatest moment. But the way they've handled this has been, I, I think, ten out of ten. Do you, would you agree? Yeah. Look, I I have no no issue at all how it's been handled. I, I think they're making it sure it's it's very flexible in how they're approaching, and they're basically saying, hey, there could be a game near Christmas if it needs to be, if we need to finish the year, but we're we're having that flexibility to do it. So so the competition's not lost and. It, uh, the 17 rounds doesn't bother me as much as other people. I I know it's not the perfect season, but hey, everyone plays once. It's it's the best they can do. Uh, so I've look, I have no issue with the decisions that've been made. Uh, it, it's just the hard part now of where this virus takes us in the next few days, isn't it? It, it feels like we're on this kind of little tipping edge, and and you don't know if it's going to go really chaotic, and then everything shut down, or, or if we can, yeah. if we. Yeah, or if we and can control it. So it would be so hard in a football department not knowing, you know, if you're playing or not. Like, I don't even... As a team's training this week, like, are they kept away? Like, I don't know. But um, I could imagine that would be going through their minds and then that would be... Like, the football um, department role at the moment would just be... It would be mayhem. You wouldn't know what... what like, we went through mayhem with what we went through, but this would be just even... Well, if you if you if you think of like guys like I'll just mention some names and not not to say they're not senior players or they won't play round one, but it's likely they they were going to play VFL. You say like guys like Kobe Much, Mosquito, Harrison Jones, these guys. There's nothing look to look forward to, because no. because there's no game for them. Like there's no match practice. There's no there's no VFL. Not, so they'll, it's they'll have, to, they'll have to do match simulation, I'd imagine. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, it doesn't match to. 
in opposition, you know, targeting you. Uh, oh, no, no, no. We, we had to do that as well. Remember back in um, 15 when the players were still yeah, true. on the we, we had to play each other. I think, you know, even I strapped them on one day and, you know, <laughs> make the numbers up and um, that sort of... Like, we're now, we may have played Williamstown by memory um, and that sort of stuff because we had to make... We had to... We, they still weren't allowed to play in proper competitions or something. That's I can't right. really remember. Yeah, yeah. All, Yep, and then we we played against that. I think we even played, um, you know, the ones versus twos, and we got topping player. Oh yeah, so we, we've we've done a little before, and you know, Xavier and that would, would probably actually be very good at handling it because we've we've virtually been through it. <laughs> so yeah. we might have a bit of a leg up on the rest of the competition, knowing that we've um we've we've sort of been through this sort of stuff before. Yep. So basically, look, I. I I'm running way out over time, but I'm enjoying it so much. But look, just to, to finish off, so basically your days today is, is is actual tennis coaching. Is that right? Yes, tennis coaching now. Yep. So that's what I do now. Um, junior, uh, you know, from younger children to uh, I've got a few elite kids that I'm working with who have got rankings in Australia. Yep. Uh, I hit with them and coach them and also um, personal train them as well. Um, I also have like ladies groups and men's groups as well. So yeah, no, I, I love being back in the tennis world, but um, it's it's I love being back in sport. So and yeah. um, tennis, what do you and my love? So being back in tennis has been good. It's actually I really enjoy it at the moment, and um, I've really taken a pull on this year, and uh, it's good. But it'd be good to be able to go back to the footy again. <laughs> so, I hear you. <laughs> not sure what's going to happen there, but uh, no. Nah. It was great having a chat with you, mate. No, fantastic, Johnny. I, I so much appreciate the time. I reckon uh, there's a lot to unpack and and, and, and so good just to hear like a, a, that kind of inside, uh, uh, I guess, experience that we can never kind of get a hold of uh, through that whole through that whole 93 to 2014, 15. It's, it's a really, I think you're actually maybe 17. Uh, so it, it's so invaluable to get that kind of uh, insight. So look, I, I can't uh, say thank you enough. Uh, I, didn't even, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even get into all the footy trips that I went on with them as well. So <laughs> well, I was just about to say, like, if whenever, <laughs> whenever you get time, we'll do a part two and, uh, and then maybe even, you know, when we do like a game review, or if there's a big clash, or you know, we may even see if you if you're free to get on the line and even just talk footy. It can be just yeah. even just even after a game and what your thoughts were. So, uh, yeah, so, more, more more than happy to. No, way. really enjoyed it. More than happy to do that. No problem at all. Sounds good. Thanks, mate. Well, uh, all the best tonight. Um, let's see what tomorrow brings as far as AFL decisions. It's it's another bit of an unknown world, but we'll. We'll wait and see, and then see if the, the team is actually named, because uh, it's a Friday night game, and, and so it might be even named tomorrow, or at least a uh, an extended bench. Uh, we're, 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 we're Saturday game. Oh, sorry, yeah, we. Oh, excuse me, um, we're following yeah. Friday, uh, Saturday, Saturday game. So we're the Thursday yeah. team. So, <laughs> well, let's see what tomorrow brings. So have a great night, Johnny, um, and no doubt we'll talk sometime this year if there's some games going on. No, definitely be great. All the best. Thanks, man. All the best. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. 
And just a big, again, thank you for Johnny for coming online. This is by far the longest podcast that's ever happened. So, <laughs> well, I guess if people are staying a lot at home and maybe this is the, the podcast everyone needed, a, a one and a half hour to two hour podcast. But look, I hope you really enjoyed it. It's a lot of information, a lot of insights, and that's what we would kind of want to bring. So... I hope it was worth it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. You can join us on our Lunchtime Catch-Up Facebook uh, page. It's just free to join. Uh, We just put up some of our thoughts and content there. Uh, Obviously, we're on Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast on Twitter. Uh, so many ways you can follow us. Um, on We're pretty much on all the podcast streams, so just look for us. You can just Google Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast and it pretty much has all the selections. Um, our home sort of um, streaming is SoundCloud, but that's where our main channel is. But, yeah, thanks again for joining us. I hope this was valuable. Uh, if we do play Saturday, then uh, we'll have the whole gang in, uh, or at least Neil in especially for... Uh, a Sunday podcast, so just directly the day after. So a fairly quick response match review. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great night, and I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> okay, Bombers. <laughs> <laughs>